0: Welcome to Virgin Territory, a podcast brought to you by SHIP. Each episode brings you new guests and new topics. We ask all the questions you are dying to know, from dating, sexual education and wellness, to kink, polyamory, and everything in between. Now, please welcome your host, Vima Manfredo. Welcome back, everyone! everybody, for another episode of Virgin Territory. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Emmett. Welcome, Emmett. Um, I'm so happy that you're here. Um, So do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah. uh, Thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, Yep. My name is Emmett Teeter. I am a local real estate
0: agent for Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Awesome. That's like all of Massachusetts, because that's that's pretty big.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I tend to really deal more in Rhode Island and I'm expanding this year into Massachusetts. So it's really for the people in Massachusetts who are closer to Boston or closer to Rhode Island. Anything in Western Mass, we just leave them out there. It's like the Wild West out there.
0: Yeah, that's it's good to go camping over there, but it is a little bit of the Wild West. Um, So just tell us a little bit about yourself
1: sure yeah so um uh where to begin i guess uh i guess i'll start with i am originally from uh, southern pennsylvania so a super super rural part of pennsylvania people when they ask me where i'm from i usually say like york pennsylvania right under amish country and um, growing up there was really a lot of conservative values and beliefs to the point that when I was in high school, I guess I should preface all this by saying I'm a trans man and my pronouns are he, him uh, for people (laughs) who are listening and can't see me. Um, But growing up in high school, I didn't even realize that being trans was a thing. I just got enough hate as it was for being a lesbian at the time. And as I grew up there, I kind of thought trans people were you know, weird and not very common and all this. And so when I was getting ready to go to college, I knew that I, I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. And I didn't really care where I ended up, but I just knew that I honestly wanted to get out of the area that I was in. So I went to the first co- the first state that was under Pennsylvania on college board, and that's Rhode Island. And then I went to the first school that I could get into for graphic design without a portfolio because I didn't want to put one together. And that's how I ended up at Johnson & Wales University. Um, And it completely changed my life. It really opened my eyes to, first off, being in Providence. I realized the community up here, just in terms of, first off, New England is wonderful. I mean, all four seasons, they hit you hard every time and they're always beautiful. Um, But then you get into the different demographics and communities and cultures and people. And I just fell in love with the fact that for once I was seeing something in the United States that wasn't just white people in the country. And it, it really expanded my mind and to the point that it, when I was in college, I started experimenting with my gender. And there was a time that I thought I was genderqueer and gender fluid, and I used they, them pronouns. And then I actually, it's kind of funny, I graduated college like May 22nd and then 2016 and May 23rd 2016 I had top surgery and started my transition. I actually got top surgery before starting hormones and cuz I thought oh I'm gender fluid and then when I got surgery that was really the gender affirming part for me and I was like oh no now I kind of understand that my gender journey isn't done. I'm I am a trans man. And so I transitioned and did I I used my graphic design degree to the fullest. I had an eight year wonderful graphic design degree or career. But unfortunately, whenever there's a dip in the market, or, you know, a company falls on tough times, the first person they cut is always the creative, because that's always the expendable person to them. So Yeah. yeah, so I wound up getting laid off quite a few times in the last eight years. And with Uh, COVID, that happened to me again. And this time I was kind of ready for a change because every time I left a company, my former coworkers would reach out and say, I'll never forget, you know, the ways you helped me or the impact you had on me. And they never talked about my graphic design work, which I kind of thought was funny, even though I think I'm pretty good at graphic design, it was always about the impression I made on them. So when I wanted to do a career change this time, I was looking for a way that I could change to a career path that I could help people and make an impact on them while still doing something that I felt passionate about. And that kind of just led me right into being a real estate agent and helping people find housing. Um, And that's a whole other journey we can get into with why I decided to be a real estate agent. But I think that's a good background for you and the listeners to understand kind of me as a person. No,
0: that's, that's a great story. And it's, There's a lot of thoughts that I had while you were (laughs) explaining your story from growing up in rural Pennsylvania, which I cannot imagine how it looked like. um, I imagine that that had a lot to do with having that long uh, gender journey because you're the examples that you had of what men were, were probably not the best coming into Rhode Island and seeing like the giant array of what manliness or masculinity could be that it doesn't have to be toxic it was probably something very powerful um I experience a lot of that not in the gender way but in the way of how a lot of women reject their femininity because it's so tied to being oppressed that you end up going on the other side um and then when you get exposed to a lot of different ways of expressing your femininity and notice that you don't have to reject that in order to be a successful person you can integrate that into your life in a way that is healthy for you and it is what you are so I, I really like your story
1: yes yeah, you. um, just to kind of add on to what you said um you absolutely hit the nail on the head when I when I moved here I kind of had one idea of what makes a man and what masculinity kind of looks like, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere near that in terms of who I am as a person. But yeah, moving up here and meeting a lot of under other gender queer people, uh, gender fluid individuals, trans individuals,
0: I kind of realized
1: that my identity. I I tell people I identify as a trans man because that's really how I feel and how I'm comfortable and. I do think outwardly I prefer to showcase masculinity, but I still tell people that for the first 21 years of my life, I lived a female experience and I'm very in touch with my feminine side. I think it makes me a better graphic designer because I have a female sense for style design color things of that nature when we're dealing with softer color tones or color schemes and stuff like that but I also think it helps me approach situations with a little bit more empathy instead of kind of a bull in the china shop just running in and throwing my opinions around I tend to listen before I I assess or anything yeah that's
0: that's wonderful and and that's a Great tool and a great experience that you can continue to to cultivate it and, and bring to every space that you occupy, like your former job. So I was I was gonna go back to what those other employees were telling you or your coworkers rather were telling you about how do you change their lives and how do you impact them.
1: Uh, um, it's kind of this character flaw or character trait, I guess, about me is that I love goals. Um, I'm very into my own goals, but I'm also really into other people's goals. It's always when someone tells me that they have, you know, a goal or a dream in mind or a way of life that they want to live and they share that with me. First off, I think that's very personal for someone to share with you, something they envision for themselves. And whenever people tell me those things like, oh, you know, I want to have this job or I'd love to live here or I, I really wanna go to school for this. My brain just starts going and I'm first like, okay, how can we get you there? What if we What if we look into this? Well, have you ever applied to this place? What about this? Because I, I just come from this mindset that nothing is out of your reach. You can achieve anything as long as you set kind of a roadmap for yourself. So I get like excited when people have some kind of spark of a goal for themselves because I'm like, oh, you have a goal, I will get you to that goal. <laughs>
0: sounds like you will be a great life coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have been told that before, but I am trying to stick away from it. I personally think that real estate is, uh, you know, everybody needs housing. Whether we like it or not, the one thing we can all relate to is that every single person has to live somewhere. And the reality is the current rental market, the current housing market, it's completely unfair. And then when you get into people's implicit biases or microaggressions, uh, just little ways that they can discriminate against people, uh, it's you kind of get into this place of oh, people in you know minority groups or the queer community they need advocates in in the housing market. And that's exactly what happened to me. I last year I was looking for a house and. I Googled real estate agent in Rhode Island, worked with the first person I found. She looked very much like, you know, picture the quintessential real estate woman. And that is what she looked like. And I, she sent me to her mortgage lender person connection. I didn't do any research. I thought I could trust this uh, real estate agent to do her job and take care of me as her client. And when she sent me to the mortgage lender, because, you know, when you're, when you're going through the house buying process, you have to get pre-approved for a mortgage to see if you can qualify. That's basically the first step. It's like your golden ticket into seeing houses. Yeah. Um, So when I submitted my info for the pre-approval, she, the mortgage lender came back to me and said, oh, your credit score is coming up to zero. And I hadn't disclosed to her that I was transgender. I I rarely do disclose that I'm transgender just because that's personal to me. And unless I'm amongst peers who are in the community, I don't see a reason to kind of go around having that be the first thing I say, because I also am so much more than my gender identity that and you kind of get in a point when you transition that it falls to the wayside. Like I am trans, but it's not all that I am. And I focus more on the rest of my identity at this point. So last year when she said, Oh, your credit score is zero. I was like, Oh yeah. Uh, My 11 year credit history is actually connected to my old name. Look it up under this. That's me. And I, then it just became dead air with her and two weeks went by, which is a pretty long time for anybody listening and for your own education. You can, if you get all your pre-approval stuff to a, um, mortgage lender, uh, you can get pre-approved within a few hours and find out how much you can qualify. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it took two weeks for her to get back to me and I still hadn't heard anything, I was like naive about it. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, Oh, whatever, I'll reach out myself. So I reached out to her didn't hear anything back. So then I reached out to the realtor that I was working with and said, you know, the mortgage lender hasn't gotten back to me. Have you heard anything? And she got back to me over email and said, oh, well, the fact that you were trans and your credit history doesn't line up with, with your name, so you don't qualify. And at the time, I just kind of shrugged it off. And me and my uh, now fiance, she's my girlfriend at the time, but we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, darn, like we're not going to get a house. And we we stopped looking and stopped trying because we just assumed that it was my own credit that caused the problem. But once I started doing more research and I actually took a class on um, housing and how the real estate process works, what I realized was that it was the mortgage lender's own bias against me. And she just kind of, I don't, know, I don't know if she got confused by my name change or if she just didn't want to work for me. There's no way for me to know what her uh, the point of her doing that was. But there was no reason for that to happen. You can get pre-approved even if you have a credit history under an old name. Basically, as long as your social matches up and they can prove that that is you, there's no reason that should have happened. So as much as I, I almost... When I started going into real estate, I didn't want to lean into marketing myself as, you know, an agent for the queer community or a transgender real estate agent. What I quickly realized was the people who need the support most and an advocate in the process are people in the queer community who are, you know, gender fluid, non-binary uh, people who are transitioning who don't have the same access to the medications or the surgeries or the healthcare that other trans people can to be, you know, stealth or to to fit in with cisgender society, and they wind up getting a lot of doors closed on them. So I've I've leaned into it and I try to be an advocate for the community so that way, as soon as a lender or a realtor or an owner of a house tries to turn you away, I know exactly how to take care of that now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely very difficult. So how is the how do you deal with that discrimination and with those microaggressions while you're looking for especially for your first home when you are so green into, into the market and you really need a lot of help?
1: right great question um and this is kind of across the spectrum of uh different minority groups uh a lot of this information will be applicable so whether uh we're talking about different races genders marital statuses um gender identity expression disability if you're a veteran any of, any of those protected classes, because that's what you're considered in terms of fair housing. Uh, this applies for all of those, but basically that's actually a great place to start. So there is this thing called fair housing in real estate. Uh, it was brought about in the 1900s. I can't remember off the top of my head when it was officially signed into law, but basically what it says is that if you are, you know, no matter what your age, gender, sex, marital status, gender identity expression, disability level, if you're a veteran, etc. um you are protected under fair housing which means that people real estate agents, mortgage lenders, anybody that touches the real estate process with you cannot discriminate against you based on those things. And that even goes for if you're applying for an apartment and you're a black family or you're a single mother or a single pregnant woman if that what you're protected against is the landlord saying, oh, I don't want to rent to you because you're black or pregnant or this or that. It's, it's to help you get a fair shot because implicit biases are everywhere and they certainly should not be the, the deciding factor in housing. So when you deal with those things, uh, I guess probably 25 years ago, these, uh, Uh, prejudices against people would have been a lot more blatant. But now that we are, you know, getting a little bit more woke all around and as a society, we're realizing that you can't just outright do those things because they're not right. You're, what you're running into is less of the more obvious, like, Oh, a trans person applies for housing. The trans person gets denied. And it's very obvious that it was because the person was trans. What you're running more into is, you know these very these subtleties, the microaggressions against you know people in the gay and trans communities, and you know people of color, people of different national origins, things like that. And so you kind of have to look for them, and it's a lot tougher to prove them because it's basically your word against somebody else's. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth bringing up. Um, actually, the Department of Business and um, the Housing organizations that take care of you know how the real estate process works especially in Rhode Island they take them very seriously each state has kind of their their own laws and their own protected classes in addition to the federal ones but in Rhode Island if they're if something like what happened to me happened to one of my clients what we would do is we would file a complaint with that person's brokerage because each realtor is like I am a real estate agent so I'm an independent contractor but I'm Under Keller Williams Realty. So what we would do if we were filing a complaint against me um, is we would report it to my brokerage to make sure they knew that happened. But also we would file a complaint with the uh, Department of Business in Rhode Island and they investigate that uh, pretty rapidly after you file it. It is once, then it kind of can get muddy and it, it depends on what exactly happened and the severity of it. But it is taken uh, very seriously because again, in when it comes to housing, fair housing is a human right. It's not optional.
0: Right. And, and a good idea to, um, if I can jump on, on those, it's write everything down that whoever you're interacting with is telling you. So you have the fresh memory of, what's going on. Um, it just reminds me when, when my partner and I were looking for an apartment back when we were dating, this is back in 2012 or 2013. Um, we had a realtor for, to look for a rental apartment. Um, and that realtor refused to talk to me and will only answer to Josh. And I will ask them a question like, do you know if this apartment is gas or oil? Ask a random question, and he would look at Josh and answer Josh, and all the information was directed at him. And I was like, a wallpaper. Wow. Um, we and we had him for about three weeks, and after that, I was done. I was <laughs> completely done. I'm like, I, we we started calling him Dude Bro. Um, he used the word dude a lot. So he was dude bro. So we were done with dude bro very quickly, um, and found another realtor specializing in rentals in Newport at the time. And she was awesome. She was really good. Uh, but this first one, it just tried every ounce of my patience because I don't like being ignored. I mean, no one likes being ignored, but it was so blatant on how he was like, Josh, look at this. Josh, look at that. Josh, look at this. And I'm like, I am liver, of whatever that expression is, top liver, <laughs> pieces of liver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you did the right thing by,
1: by kind of dumping him. That's exactly what I would suggest. And um, unfortunately, there are just to kind of assuage any uh, panic if anybody's listening and has, has had something like this happen. So when you start working with a realtor, real estate agent for finding an apartment or finding a house, usually by the time you get pre-approved or in your case, when you were looking for a rental, you probably, did you sign a um, agreement, a buyer's representation agreement with him at all or anything that was kind of like that?
0: Oh, i don't remember um for rentals it's a little bit
1: of a different process so but when you're when you're buying a house let's just use the standard model because i mostly help uh home buyers i don't really if you're gonna look for apartments with a real estate agent definitely go to a real estate agent who specializes in apartments because Mm -hmm. that it it is the wild west so
0: oh yeah yeah, You have to go to someone that, that is specializes on that specific area that you're looking for. Um, but because we were trying to live in Newport and it's so difficult to find a place in Newport, we had to go with a realtor. Um, I got from the producer notes that we did sign the that document that you referenced with the second one, not with not with Dude Bro. Uh, um, so it was more informal with Dude Bro. Um, and yeah, but with our realtor, when we were. Going to buy the house that we live in now. Um, She was. It's completely a completely different world with with a purchasing realtor rather than a renting realtor. They were completely different. Yeah, it is. It's two completely
1: different. I guess, uh, ways that it's set up because it's exactly one is you are renting something. So you are essentially borrowing it. And the other one is that you are trying to own it. So there's transfer of title or you gotta get your name on books for taxes and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it is, it's a different road to go down. But what I was going to say was, um, had you, it's kind of a good thing that dude bro didn't take you seriously as a client, because if you sign a contract with them, um, you might be panicking, like, "Oh God, I signed this six month to a year agreement with this realtor, and now I'm realizing that, you know, in your case, it's that he completely ignored you, which I would deem as a totally a microaggression against you because he basically completely ignored you as a human being." Um, and if if you had signed with him though, uh, if something like that happens, you can absolutely break that contract based on the way he's acting and if you don't want to get into it you could even uh go to him go to his brokerage and say we just have different mindsets this we're not working out and then you can either ask them to try and pair you with somebody else split it amicably and walk so everybody can walk away without it or if he's going to be you know if dude bro had had you sign that agreement he was a real stickler about it then that's when you can file the complaint and tell them exactly what happened and it should uh uh alleviate itself pretty quickly because in this in the current world that we're in, we the brokerages don't want to have to deal with fair housing uh, complaints and suits because they are they're taken probably the most seriously in terms unless you're dealing with embezzlement or anything like that. That's pretty serious.
0: Yeah. Um, So have you dealt from the realtor side, have you dealt with any discrimination or microaggressions or macroaggressions from potential clients? Mm,
1: That's a good question. Do you want to expand on what you mean?
0: Well, we were talking about from the point of view of the person that is buying the house, how they could be discriminated against and they have protections and whatnot. But from your point of view as a realtor, if... someone is looking for a realtor and they discover that you're part of the queer community and and discriminates against you or keeps making slight comments as you're working with them. Have you experienced that? And do you have any um, protections that will protect you against bad purchasers?
1: (laughs) Ah, that great question. Truthfully, um, I have not run into that in Rhode Island. It's just mostly, the clients that I've had have been so happy to either work with someone who's a part of the queer community, or like I said, I not, I really don't like this term because it doesn't, it's just not a nice term, but I, you could say that I'm stealth in the way of I can blend in with the cisgender community. So it's kind of as my own protection. If I feel that I'm you know, in a, the most times I, I feel uncomfortable, I guess, in the real estate world is when I have to go to a real estate event and it's with a bunch of, you know, dude bros. Yeah. And, um, that's when I feel the most uncomfortable as a transgender man, because then, you know, they don't, you don't know who's safe there. Whereas when I'm out in the community, I get to really pick and choose my clients. And when people come to me, Usually, they're coming to me because they know I'm, I'm an agent that represents people in the queer community, or they know that I'm a safe person who will advocate for them. Um, and I really haven't had any issues like that. But if I did have issues with another agent, I could absolutely go to their brokerage or file a complaint with uh, the Department of uh, Business. Um, but in terms of clients, if I were to meet a client that was, uh, I guess, discriminating against me, or I felt uncomfortable with in some way, really, I get to back away from them as long as kind of just like the same way you could uh, disband the agreement because of the way they treated you, the real estate agent can kind of turn around and do the same thing.
0: Good, because that that is also important. You're you're also a human that, that deserves to be um treated with respect and dignity. So it, it kind of has to go both ways. You don't want to have a, a Karen as a as a client.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Um so part we've talked a lot about the, the real estate community. Um so how can working with you or the other agents in the community can help um the queer community or the queer person feel more at ease in this whole buying process?
1: Well, first off, I think that my background as a queer person uh, gives me a a deeper understanding than some of the other agents. I know plenty of agents who are cisgender or allies to the community, and they are, they're great agents. And I'm not saying that every agent who isn't a trans person or a queer uh, member of the queer community would be a bad agent. But I just think that having faced my own uh, hardships through life from just my queer identity, I understand kind of the subtleties that can happen with it and the different ways that you can feel less than just by simple things like, uh, you see it with non-binary folks quite often where they use they them pronouns and, I, as the realtor, have no problem using they, them pronouns for them, but there's a mortgage lender that's a part of the process too, that if, you know, if I send my client to a mortgage lender and I send them an email that says, oh, this is, you know, my client and they use they, them pronouns, please respect that throughout that process. If they respond to that email and they use she, her, or he, him, or whatever they feel like using First thing I do is I call that mortgage lender and I say, hey, saw your email back. Thanks for the information about this, that, the other thing. Uh, however, I did want to just point out that my client does you, they, them pronouns. I respect that. I would appreciate you ex- exp- uh, respecting that too, or we're not going to go forward. Because the kind of cool thing about uh, being a realtor and helping people is that I get to kind of navigate you to who you want to go to. You can go to whichever mortgage lender you'd like. However, nine times out of 10, when a client is working with a real estate agent, they either don't know, they don't even know that the mortgage lender is a separate entity, or they don't care who they go to and in the current market, it's not like everyone's competing because the housing market is um, so nutty right now. Everyone is going to give you the lowest rate the first time. It's not like you have to go to three, five different lenders and have them all compete against each other. They're going to give you their, their lowest interest rate. The first time you go to them because they know how competitive this market is right now. So what winds up happening, and I've actually done this twice already with, uh, a couple of my non-binary clients is that we went to a mortgage lender. I told them their pronouns and then down the road before we even got the pre-approval done or, you know, after the first phone call with the client, they sent a follow-up email using not they, them pronouns. And we switched them over to a different mortgage lender who was capable of doing so. Because I know for me, when I was using non-binary pronouns and anytime people got it wrong, you, you feel embarrassed. It's just a knife to your heart every time, especially when you are vulnerable enough to put yourself out there and say, I'm non-binary and that's how I identify. So for people to disrespect that, it's like, as now that I am a, you know, queer business entrepreneur, I, one of the wonderful things about doing that is that I get to decide if that's not good enough and that is just not good enough.
0: That, that's great. Um, just having those consequences of you, you need to provide this bare minimum respect because just using someone's pronouns is, it's not a big lift on the person that needs to use them. And it means a lot to the person whose pronouns those are of, it's the bare minimum for you to treat another person as a human and provide them with their with their dignity of what they want and what they need at that moment. Um, so it's really the bar is on the floor. <laughs> yeah. So they, they need to cross that bar to be able to to do business. And it's so great that you can you can advocate for your clients that way. Do you have any other tips for your co-workers or other people that are real estate agents that are not necessarily part of the queer community, but they want to be allies to the queer community and make sure that they're serving the community the, community the way that it should be served. Um, do you have any other tips for them?
1: Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts. The first one would be uh, show up, stop being fake activists. Uh, we see so many times in so many different uh, you know, dealing with different minority groups, different, you know, ability levels and then entering into the queer community. We see so many people who say that they are allies to these things and then they're not showing up for anything. They're not actually being an ally. They're just saying, "Sure, I'm okay with that." And in some cases, I guess you can say that's fine, but when we're dealing with people from all different walks of life, they all want to be heard, respected and felt like they're seen as an equal. So if you're going to say that you represent or you stand for or stand by a particular community, show up for them uh, because you know real estate agents, they live their lives uh, like very heavily on Facebook, social media, because that's where we find our clientele and that's where people are looking for people to help them with moving and help them find a house. So they can also see on your social media, if you are really backing the things you say you back, in your advertisements. If you're saying, oh, we will help all different people in the LGBTQIA plus community or whatever, this and that. But then on your social media, you are, it's very, uh, I guess, blatant that that is not really the case. People will see right through it. So just show up in a realistic way for people. Um, And the other thing is, if you're helping, I guess, Queer people are all ages, um, and they've always been around. However, we are my generation. I guess I'm I'm a millennial, and I'm I'm 27. But we were kind of the group that is fortunate enough, thanks to the people who have come before us, to be out and proud about who we are. And I know that a lot of Gen Z and younger millennials too, and people my age are really out and proud about being queer, being non-binary, being trans. Um, So we can expect to see quite a few more queer couples, non-binary couples, trans individuals, you know, buying houses or being uh, adults in the community, because that's what we are. At the end of the day, yes, we're queer people, but we're also human beings and adults who have to have a job and have money just like everybody else. So if you're not down with them, I would suggest you very quickly change that because it's we're only going to be seeing more and more uh, out and proud couples, which is a fantastic thing. But if you are stuck in uh, old mindsets, that's not going to do you any good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you're absolutely, absolutely right of show up and show up authentically um, and put your dollars and your actions where your mouth is pretty much um, to be a little crude on that one. Um, so we talked a little bit about how the market is crazy and we've been alluding to it and I will be remiss if I don't mention it. Because it is August of 2021, which means the market is still upside down and inside out. So (laughs) what's going on these days with the market?
1: Oh, okay. So without boring people too much, uh, basically, we are in what's called a seller's market. That means that uh, if you're a seller, this is the time to sell your house. This is you're going to get the most profit for your house in this time, um, it also means that if you're a buyer, you're going to be paying a premium for your housing. It's. It means. The other thing it means is that in Rhode Island, I'll use Rhode Island as the example because this is where I'm educated in. Um, last month, I know that we had about uh, 1,200 pieces of inventory, which is houses, because that's what they are. Their inventory um, on the market. So if if in late July no one else put their house up for sale. So we just had that inventory. Um, it would take us about six to eight months to run out of inventory. And then there would be no houses left for anyone unless people are putting them on the market. So basically that sounds kind of like a lot 1200 houses or however you want to look at it, but there's over a million people in Rhode Island and there's way more than 1200 people at any given time looking for housing. So basically what it means is it's, it's supply and demand. And right now the, there's way less supply than there is demand. You know, we just, we're climbing our way out of this COVID year or years as it's looking like. And, What's happening is you have a lot of people who are spending a lot more time in their homes and they're looking around and they're going, "Oh, I don't really like this apartment. I kind of want to buy a home." Or, "Oh, I don't really Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you too. Exactly. <laughs> so, it's it's a wonderful thing because, you know, we're getting more time with our families. We're getting more time in our homes to nurture those places that we live in. However, what everyone's consensus is, is that they all deserve better. And you do. If you're listening to this, you do deserve better than whatever apartment or living situation you want to get out of. And if you're looking to get out of it, message me and I will love to set those goals with you on how we can do it. But that's basically the, without diving too much into it, it's supply and demand. And right now, we don't have the supply to fill the demand.
0: Yeah. So Right now, your tips for starting your buy, your home buying journey is don't start. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, definitely.
0: That is not what I'm saying.
1: Um, (laughs) I actually represent buyers more often than sellers, just because I, I have a lot of empathy for the buying process. And I, it's really fun to go through the process with a buyer, you know, watching somebody who is living in an Airbnb, because they don't have any place to live, and turn that around. And, It within a month's time be closing on their own house. That's that's a true story of what happened to me last month with one of my clients, and it was awesome. the The best call in the world is when you get to call a client and let them know they got a house, and there's crying, and there's you know all these compliments flying around about how I'm the best, and I'm like, well, (laughs) you're the one who closed on the house. But so, if you're looking to buy now, I would say that don't hesitate to jump in. The first thing you should do is talk with a realtor, get connected to a mortgage lender, find out your pre-approval, shop under what you're pre-approved for. So I'm just going to use big round numbers because it's easy. But if you're pre-approved to buy a $300,000 house, well, you got closing costs and you've got a deposit that you have to pay. And so there's a lot more money that goes into it than just the the principal amount of what the house is worth. So I always tell my clients, if you're approved for 300,000, we're going to shop around 280 and see what we can get. And we're going to go up. If you absolutely find the house of your dreams at 290 or 300, but then that's when we start playing with money and finding out where we can find the closing costs that we need or things like that. So it's definitely not impossible to buy a home right now, but also, don't jump into something that's not worth what it's being advertised for. And you can always tell when something is priced too high by how long it's sitting on the market. Usually right now a house can sit on the market for uh, a day before it's under contract and if it's priced correctly, but if something's priced way too high for what it is, you'll see it on the market for, you know, a week, two weeks, and then you'll see the price drop because they know that they, it's just, people on the selling side trying to take as much money as they can which is again why i like working with buyers because it's about advocating for them and getting them what they deserve without getting them into something that's inherently um bad for them
0: yeah that's very important so a couple of tips to start your home buying journey if that's what you want to go it's get your pre-approval do the math and check how much you can one thing that my realtor when we were buying this house told us was check how much you can actually pay on a monthly basis and take that into consideration if you have any like student loans which every millennial under the the planet has a student loan um, or any other debt you have to look at your ratio and that will affect the number regardless of what your pre-approval was you may be a pre-approved for 300000 like you said, but if you have a lot of debt or if you're helping to support the the younglings, um, then your expenses are a little bit different. Take that into consideration. That was a big lesson uh, that we learned, thankfully, before buying the house Yeah, um, with a um, realtor. There's
1: even... Um- so when you're buying a house, you're not just paying, and this is kind of a very rudimentary example or lesson that I will give you guys, but basically uh, you're not just paying the, the price tag on the house. You're paying what's called pity, P-I-T-I. So principal, which is the price tag of the house, interest, the interest rate of your mortgage. Taxes. So each property has a tax assessment that gets reassessed every few years. And Rhode Island, the taxes are anywhere between three to 5,000 on a home that gets combined. Um, And insurance, you as a, to close on a house, you have to have homeowners insurance. So when you make a mortgage payment, you're not just paying off that big price tag of 300,000, you're paying off the principal, interest, taxes, and insurance all mesh together and divide it up. So if you can't afford all of that divided up to your monthly payment, then that's what you have to consider too. And the other thing that people have to consider is sure you might be able to buy a $500,000 house, but can you heat a $500,000 house? Can you pay for the electricity for a $500,000 house? These are things that a lot of people if they're in real estate just for you know the money and that's the other thing is you will find agents who look at you as walking the money signs and when you work with those people that's how they treat you they don't ask you if you can afford those things or they don't ask you to assess that for yourself but a good agent is going to say all right we're going to shop in this range tell me where you're comfortable buying And let me just make sure you understand that that you're going to have bills for this house. You're going to have, that's for the first time home buyers who are listening. That's really the biggest thing is not to scare anybody because buying a house is one of the most exciting life goals that you can achieve. Cause then, you own a little piece of the planet, and that's great. You get security knowing that no landlord is ever going to knock on your door and say, hey, get out of here in 30 days or whatever. You, They can't do that to you at that point. But you got to make sure that just like everything else, you can pay your bills.
0: Yep, absolutely. One of the things that um, when Josh and I were looking for a house, one of the things he always looked at was, is the house oil or gas? And I can still hear him eight <laughs> years from the from the past saying like i don't want oil i cannot price that correctly think <laughs> to be fair he was completely right just don't don't tell him um hopefully he's not listening um but it's those are the kind of things you have to think about on snow removal do you have to pay for your trash to be taken which we found out on a, another house that we were going to buy in north kingston you have to pay for the trash to be taken mm-hmm. i was very confused about that <laughs>
1: Yep. A a great thing for any Rhode Islanders who are listening who want to be near Hope Street or near Brown, because that's what I hear a lot is people really want to be near Hope or, um, you know, really they are near Blackstone Boulevard, that area. You might be better off in condo life. Condos are a great compromise between an apartment and a house. So Oftentimes a condo in Rhode Island does look like a traditional apartment, but instead you own the inside of the four walls. So you can paint, you can take down a wall if you want, you can make it look however you want. But the outside snow removal or, you know, keeping the roof up to date and stuff, that's all managed by the condo association. So, and Rhode Island actually has a lot of really nice uh, houses that are condos. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm not ready for a house, but I hate my apartment. Condos, they're cheaper and they're a great compromise. They're a great intro to living in your own place.
0: Yeah, I, I love condos. Um, but there's not condos in this area. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Warwick. They're, all there are are houses and they're no. all branches or maybe raised ranch every once in a while. But all yeah. Warwick has is branches. <laughs> um built in the 50s most of them you can tell um but yeah that's that's those are a lot of great tips and we can do a whole episode on like tips and tricks on buying your first home but before I jump into the hot seat which I haven't told you what it is um do you have any quick tips for people that are looking to sell their first home
1: oh gosh um get yourself lined up with an agent who has been doing it for a while. I have a an agent on the real estate team that I'm on who has been in the business of selling homes for the past 30 years. So you wanna make sure that you're dealing with somebody who knows how to price it correctly to get you as the seller you know, the most money that you want out of the sale, but also to not overprice it because it's going to sit on the market, even in a, in a market like this, it'll sit on the market. So get yourself, somebody aligned, get aligned with someone who knows what they're doing. Don't go to the biggest thing I would say is don't use your family. Don't use your, your brother, that's a real estate agent or your cousin, who got their real estate license last year and hasn't really done real estate much but you want to throw them a bone go to somebody who knows what they're doing because you're gonna be thankful for it when you don't have to worry about anything and it's entirely taken care of
0: that's very important because i i find it more scary to think about selling than the thoughts that i had about buying because buying is all exciting and what you're leaving behind is usually somewhere that you were renting or your parents' house, it doesn't matter if you're buying your first house, you you don't have this mindset of like, what am I going to do with my house? But, but thinking about, I I got a new job in New Hampshire and I need to move there, which means I need to leave Rhode Island. That's a hypothesis. I'm not going anywhere. Don't get scared, people. Uh so what do I do with my house? And that puts a lot of stress on people that just got a house a couple of years ago. (laughs) Yeah. The good thing is that that
1: exact situation, you know, happens all the time of, yes, there are first time home buyers, but there are also people who are moving across the States. I just talked to somebody last night who's moving from Portland, Oregon over here and they knew nothing about the area and we had a wonderful conversation, but She's in the same boat. She has to sell her home. She's got to move over here, and in that case, she's going to work with an, an agent over there to sell and an agent over here to buy. But these type of things, if you're working with a real estate agent who has been around, who knows what they're doing, they know how to handle. You know, oh, I gotta, I gotta buy a house over here, but I gotta sell the house I'm in. People will know how to handle it. So the whole goal and uh, reason that real estate agents are even in this business is to help you because. Just like you're an expert in your job field, real estate agents are supposed to be the expert er, Expert in buying and selling homes. So leave it up, leave the worrying up to the experts. You live your life, get excited about your new job, whatever you're doing, you know, and rest assured knowing you are working with somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: Absolutely. Build your team, basically. Stack your team. Yes. Um For any sport. I don't know sports. So for any sport. (laughs) Um, So we're almost at the end and we have a new section on our podcast called the hot seat and you are the very first person to participate on it. Um, So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that have nothing to do with the topic we were talking about. Um, And you answer however you want. (laughs) Sure. Hit me. All right. First one, Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Coke favorite ice cream flavor oh my gosh that's so
1: difficult um chunky monkey
0: oh what is that one
1: <laughs> banana ice cream with chocolate pieces in it it's by ben and Jerry's. oh that
0: sounds good okay we need to get some of that uh, <laughs> dc or marvel
1: oh gosh neither
0: <laughs> oh no so
1: sorry i like batman i don't even know who he's under he's under dc Okay, so I guess DC.
0: Yeah. <laughs> As you say that, I'm wearing my Wonder Woman shirt. <laughs> um, all right. Wrong answer only. Why is there fuzz on a tennis ball?
1: Fuzz on a tennis ball.
0: Oh, God.
1: Wrong answers only.
0: Wrong answer
1: only. Um, so you don't eat it?
0: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and last questions what does what sound does a fox make
1: oh my gosh
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that that episode that section is staying um thank you for being our guinea pig for the hot seat section you are welcome that's amazing um so thank you so much for being on our episode uh this was a lot of great information it was a pleasure to talk to you is there any last nickels or any last thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? No problem.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Um, just that if any of you are listening and you're feeling inspired or curious or want to just have more of a conversation about your own uh, housing journey and how you can become a first time home buyer, or even if you don't know if you can be pre-approved and you want to find out feel free to reach out to me. I'm sure that my information will be in the show notes, but um, I am a Keller Williams agent. So if you go to emmettteeter.kw.com, you can contact me there. You can also add me on Facebook, uh, emmettteeter-realty, and I'd be happy to help you.
0: Great. I hope well, you get a lot of new clients because it's so exciting to get your your first home. Or, I imagine it's exciting to get your second home too, but I don't know. I, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Well, when you're ready, you know who to hit up now. So
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this, Emmett. Thank, um, for all of our listeners, all of Emmett's information will be on the show notes and on the Instagram tag. So go follow him on all of the social media that we'll tag there and get him as your realtor. He's amazing. <laughs> thank you. You've been listening to Virgin Territory, a podcast by SHIP, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive, medically accurate, and pleasure-guided sexuality education, therapy, and professional training to adults. You can visit us online at weknowship.org.